We're in a series called All In, and uh, we began a couple of weeks ago and talked about uh, a gentleman by the name of Noah, who was all in, or we wouldn't be where we're at today. Last week, we looked at Abraham and Isaac and their willingness to sacrifice anything and everything to walk with God in faith. Today, we're going to talk about a guy by the name of Caleb. Uh, Caleb uh, was uh, one of the uh, uh, Israelite slaves who moved from Israel uh, or from Egypt and was making his way to Israel with the other uh, children of Israel as we know them. Uh, maybe you've seen some of the scenes from uh, uh, the, the movie Ten Commandments uh, where they depict that journey. But uh, when they finally made it, from Egypt to the Jordan River, and were looking over into the land that God had promised them, they devised a scheme to take that land from those who had inhabited it. And that scheme involved Moses uh, choosing 12 men. The scripture, they were called 12 spies, to go into the land uh, to see who was there, uh, to see what they needed to do strategically and militarily in order to make sure that they got the land that God had promised them. Now, I want to make sure that I'm very clear in what I say here. Uh, God had already told them that the land was theirs, that he had made preparation, that he would do anything and everything he needed to do in order for them to get what he called the promised land. And these people had seen God do a lot of miracles between Egypt and where they were now. They saw him part the Red Sea, for one thing. Uh, my favorite miracle was when God began to rain manna. Hear that word before? Manna from heaven every day so they wouldn't be hungry. Uh, I don't know how you envision manna, but let me tell you, when I think about manna, here's how I see it. God was dropping donuts from the sky. Amen? Don't you imagine, probably some of them had sugar and cinnamon uh, sprinkled from heaven's kitchen. I believe there'll be a kitchen in heaven, don't you? Amen? And so he's dropping donuts from the sky. I mean, that's kind of miraculous to me. And, and so they get here to this place, they choose 12 of their best men. Two of those men are a guy, are a guy named Caleb, who's 40 years old, a guy named Joshua, who you heard about, who will eventually replace Moses as their leader. He's probably 17 or 18. Ten other guys, they go scout out for 40 days the promised land, and then they come back. And they issue a report uh, to the leaders, Moses and the others, about what they can expect and what their advice is. Now, 10 of those guys, they said, you know what, we've been over there, it's been scary, it's been frightening, we don't think we can hold up against uh, the arsenal, the, they're giants, they're huge, they're, and they went on and on and on and talked about how tough it was going to be 
for them to capture the land. Joshua and Caleb said, you know what? They were giants. They were big guys, handsome guys. And uh, the fact of the matter is they're a lot bigger than us. And the guys had previously said, not only were they big, we look like grasshoppers in comparison to them. And Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, they were big, but they're like grasshoppers in the eyes of God. They may be bigger than us, but they're not bigger than God. So we've got these 10 guys who are kind of wimpy, or at least who are uh, forgetting how big God was. And we've got Joshua and Caleb who are saying, you know, if God's in this, then how can we not be? In other words, Joshua and Caleb were all in. Amen? They were all in. And, and just a question for you as we begin this message. When, when you have problems and issues and burdens and worries and, and, and things that loom before you, do they look like giants in your eyes? Are you sitting here today and you're just, at, you know, you're, you're in chagrin? You don't know what to do, where to turn, how to get out of the mess you're in, and, and it just looms large. Any problem we might name in your life, it would be gigantic in your mind. Or does it look like a grasshopper? When you consider where you are in life, does it come to mind that no matter how big this problem is, God's bigger? God's bigger. It may seem like a giant to you, but it's a grasshopper to God. And these 10 guys who came back with the negative report, these 10 guys who said, you know what, this is bigger than we can do, they never got to see the promised land. When God heard their report, when God saw that they had kind of led the leaders of the land, to say, we can't do this. God said, every one of you guys are going to wander around the desert here for 40 years. God liked the word 40. For 40 years. And every one of you who came back with a negative report will never see the promised land. You'll die before we come back here. Kind of easy to be negative, isn't it? Ever go to a Baptist business meeting? There are a lot of folks who say the problems are bigger than the solutions, aren't there, at those places, times. There are a lot of folks who say, you know, it looks like a giant to me and not a grasshopper. Kind of easy to take the road sometimes of least resistance. It's kind of easy not to be all in. But Caleb, he was all in. He said, here's what we need to do. So history goes, moves on. They wander around the land for 40 years in the desert trying to figure out their next move till this generation of people dies off and they find themselves back at the Jordan River. Joshua, Caleb, leaders. And they cross over. Remember the walls of Jericho falling, that story, great story. And then they began to move into the land. A couple of years later, we find Caleb, and we pick the story up here. The children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. 
and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite. Man, they named people funny back then, didn't they? He said to him, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and concerning me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up and made me the heart of the, or made the heart of the people melt, I wholly followed the Lord my God. He said, made the heart of the people met. What he, in other translations, it uses the word convictions. A conviction, I believe, is, is, is a, an unction, a feeling that you get from God. It's a God thing. And, and what happened, these ten guys never had that conviction, but Caleb and Joshua did. A conviction. Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance, and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke the word to Moses, Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. And yet I, I, am, I am as strong today as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now my strength for war, both for coming out and for going in, is. Now therefore, I like this, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. And you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. The cities were great and fortified. And it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I will be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. I want to encourage you today to live by your convictions. I want to encourage you that number one on that list of convictions is to be all in. There is a major difference between being all in, between completely committed to God, where you stand as the song sang, as we just sang, with your arms wide open, and all I am is yours, God. All I am. What can I say? What can I do? Because everything that is mine is yours. Everything that I am is a result of your power and your influence in my life. Living according to your convictions. That means holding nothing back. Now we've talked for two weeks about what there might be in your life that you're holding back. What you're hoarding, what you're keeping, what what you're allowing yourself to still do. What area in your life, what sin, what problem is unsanctified, untouched by God, by your choice. The difference between holding back and being all in is that you make your decisions based on fear rather than faith. 
You hear me? Shake your head, because I'll have to go over this if you're not listening. You make your decisions based on fear rather than faith. There were 12 men that God chose and Moses uh, uh, sent to the promised land. Ten of them came back and everything about their testimony was one of fear. There's no way we can do this. There's no chance this can happen. If we go over there, we'll be, we'll be killed, we'll be slaughtered, we'll be ruined. They'd seen the power of God at work, but still their decision was based on faith, or on fear. You will never be all in. You'll never do the impossible, the miraculous, the overwhelming for God unless you begin to live by faith. Faith leads you to a place of total commitment. Faith doesn't allow you to say no to God. Faith believes that God is exactly who He is and that anything and everything that He leads you to do will work. It's completely in His hands. Churches that prosper make decisions based on faith. Churches that prosper are all in. All in. I want you to think about your decision-making process. Personally. And sometimes the decision-making process that we use here at church. Do we look at choices that we make in relationship to God, in relationship to our own lives, in relationship to the direction of our congregation? Do we look at them through eyes of fear? and skepticism, or do we look at them through faith? A few days, weeks, you'll get a budget for the calendar year 2015, and there will be some of you who look at that and you'll say, this is a great challenge. This is a great challenge. I believe God can do this. You might even say, I believe God will convince me to give a little more so we can do this. And some of you will look at it and you'll shake your head and you'll say, that's too giant a budget. It's too big, too much. You'll hear some things that we have decided to try to do as a church. You'll say, man, we can't get into that. Or you'll say, I'm so glad that God will be with us when we get into that. Do you make your decisions based on fear or faith? Yesterday, we had our final ever Burlington Baptist Cares Day. Now, let me say this in relationship to that. That doesn't mean we've quit caring and that we're going to quit serving. But instead of doing biannual Burlington Baptist Cares Day, we're going to move to monthly Compassion in Action Days. That's CIA. We stole that from the government. (laughs) And every month we're going to be doing something under the, the, the leadership of our councils to minister in our community and in this area of the world. Every month. Every month. Now some of you are saying, ooh, that's too much. We can't serve people that often. What are we going to do about ourselves? Yesterday, we spent 
several hours passing out food and folks in this area came. We were able to minister, do some good things. And then we decided to take some soup, some chili, some crackers, just a, a, you know, a smorgasbord of good stuff to feed homeless people. We lost them, though. We thought they were behind Frisch's, but they weren't. Not this Frisch's, but the Florence Frisch's in the woods there. We sent our, our spies into the woods, and they came back without any homeless people. So we finally determined to go downtown. We looked under bridges. We found a couple of folks that we were able to help. And then they said, if you'll go down to 12th and Washington, you'll find everybody you ever wanted to find. Let me encourage you not to go to 12th and Washington after dark. <laughs> we don't have any place that coincides with that here in Burlington. Uh, the, the closest thing that you can find is getting in the car with me to kind of have that same kind of fear. So we're set up a table, we're ministering, feeding, talking, sharing stories, uh, talking about Jesus, great time. All of a sudden, a group of uh, younger guys kind of emerge at the corner. And, and they're saying some unkind things that Baptists don't say to each other in church, only at home. <laughs> and they're talking, I heard the word gang. And I heard the biggest, toughest guy among us Pete Shively say, I'm out of here. <laughs> Obviously, he has control of the screen. <laughs> when he said, I'm out of here, I wanted to stay. But for the sake of the women and children, I got in the car. Very clear example of a decision based on fear. Probably a good decision. But let me ask you, what looms large in your life right now? What scares you into giving up? What what keeps you from being all in? What are you afraid of? We all have a litany of fears, don't we? Spiders and snakes and uh, the dark, riding with me, we talked about that. I mean, a litany of things that cause us to make decisions based on fear. But maybe the greatest is this. We're fearful because we don't really trust God. We don't really believe that he's bigger. We don't really believe that he is powerful. We don't really believe that he's placed this hedge of protection around us. We don't really believe, nor do we claim his promises. And so many times in all of our lives, we don't serve like we should. We don't obey like we should. We don't follow like we should. We don't minister like we should. We're not all in like we should be because it's about fear and not faith. We're one of the ten 
rather than Caleb and Joshua. Fear trumps faith, and we fail. You know what's cool about Joshua? Not only was he all in when he was 40, when we pick up the story at 85, he's really, really all in. I like what he said. He said, I was a really, really tough, strong, powerful, great dude when I was 40, and nothing's changed. I get, I, he played in the over 80 basketball league, didn't he? I mean, don't you, if they ran or did Ironman triathlons, don't you figure he was still in it? I couldn't have run in one of those when I was 15. I, he is, oh man, he's determined. Matter of fact, he said, I'm going to claim that mountain. And I'll tell you a little later about that mountain. But at 85, he was still in the middle of everything and a leader in what God was doing. And his faith had never diminished. Never diminished. There was a quote that I didn't say that popped up on my screen, if not yours. And it was, I want to die young at a ripe old age. Write that down. That's a goal worth having, isn't it? I want to die young at a ripe old age. He was all in when he was 40. And he was all in when he was 85. His faith had never diminished. Now, you know, we live in a culture where one of our favorite words is this word. I want you to write this down. There's no blank for it, so that may throw your equilibrium off. Here's one of our favorite words. Retirement. I look back across the way about this time every year. And I don't see some of you. You've gone to Florida. You're a snowbird. And you've earned that privilege. I I talk to some of you about what you're doing in in the church now. And and you'll say, you know what? I retired from that a few years ago. I've turned that over to somebody else. Some of you have decided that your gifts and skills aren't what they should be anymore. I don't believe that. There is no place in the church for folks who've decided they don't want to be busy anymore. Well, there's a place for you here. I don't mean that. Don't come. You know, not come. But what I do mean is you're not all in. You're not all in. You're not doing what God wants you to do. I am as strong at 85 as I was at 40. Now, at 85, you may not want to run in the run-turkey-run race, but you can stand at the end of the line and greet those who have. You may not want to run in the run-turkey-run race, but you may want to come out there and watch me cheat and not go all the whole way. (laughs) You see, there's a place in God's kingdom for folks like Caleb who never lost their spirit, 
who never lost their heart for God, whose faith never diminishes, who never quit this side of heaven. I want you to understand about what he meant when he said, I'm going to claim this mountain. Uh, The area that he claimed, which probably, if you study Jewish history, was his childhood home, his ancestral burying ground, was an area called Hebron. In Kentucky, we call it Hebron. You call it whatever you'd like. And in this area, what was the highest ground in all of Israel? was the most fortified area. And so what Caleb is saying is not only am I going to claim this mountain, I'm going to claim the toughest, most fortified, most difficult place to do battle in. And I know that no matter how difficult it will be, no matter how great the odds are against me, God may just give me that mountain. And he did. And he did. Because of what Caleb did at a ripe old age, generations later, Hebron still was an important place. David built his first kingdom, first palace, on the highest mountain in Hebron, a descendant of Caleb. It strikes me that here at Burlington Baptist Church, we are products of our history, aren't we? I, uh, I've been reading the history of the BBC. If, if you need some stimulating reading sometime, you will not believe what's happened here over the years. And, and, and Mrs. Kirtley spared no detail. There have been people coming to Jesus here since 1842. There have been people who've been faithful to the cause of Christ here since 1842. There have been people who said, we're going to claim this mountain for God. We're going to be all in for God since 1842. We would not be sitting in this place worshiping God today were not for the choices of those who've come before us. I, I, I look at those pictures downstairs and and wonder what the heck they were thinking fashion-wise, the preachers who came before me. But what I really think is how wonderful it is to be a part of the heritage and history of those great men. I I had the chance to know as a boy Roy Johnson, Bill Cubine, Paul Godsey, Terry Wilder, had the chance to experience firsthand the ministry of those last two men. And, and, and how amazing it is that Brother Godsey and his family came in 1966, served with faithfulness for 25 years, made sure that the kingdom of God moved forward in Burlington. This building was built under his ministry. There are many of you who are sitting here today who were baptized under his ministry, married under his ministry, prayed over under his ministry. What worries me more about Brother Godsey than anything is he had to live with four women. Can you imagine how hormonal that household was? 
Linda? <laughs> Thank you. But what a, how he must have loved the Lord. How he must have loved the Lord. And, and his footprints are everywhere here. They're everywhere. 1992, Brother Godsey had retired. Terry Wilder came. A gentleman, kind of heart, loved people. It makes no sense to me that Brother Terry was a NASCAR fan. He doesn't even have a tattoo. How could he be a NASCAR fan? (laughs) And he served God faithfully here for 15 years, maybe a few more. Left behind footprints. There, There have been families, deacons, teachers, leaders in this congregation since 1842 who were all in and who served God faithfully. I wouldn't be sitting here. You wouldn't be sitting there. This church would not be here if there were not people who said, it's important that this church be in Burlington, Kentucky. It's important that this church be salt and light and love and mercy and grace in this community. It's important that the people of Burlington have a place to come and learn about Jesus, find faith, and worship. Can you imagine the footprints of faith and not fear on this property? Don't we have some great children? Man, some of them can sing. If you want to know why you're here today, why we're doing what we're doing, why we've made the choices that we've made, spend a little time thinking about those kids. Spend a little time walking up and down the street that you live on and look at a house and a house over here, one there, maybe right across from you, three down. And realize there are folks that never go to anybody's church and are far from God. That's why we're here. That's why you live where you live. So you can be the impetus, the encouragement for them to come to Christ. You see, God's looking for people in Burlington, Kentucky, in this church, in this place, a place blessed by God immensely to be all in, to continue the legacy that's left behind us, to be sure that our children grow up into faith, to be sure that those who are lost are found, to be sure that those who are hurting are helped. It will not happen if you're wishy-washy if your decisions are based on fear, if your heart is not wholly committed to God, it won't happen. Because the devil's good at what he does. The devil's good. But God's better. So I want to encourage you today to agree with me To agree with God 
to leave behind some footprints, to step up to the plate, to be busy doing exactly where, what God's commanded you to do, to be all in. To leave behind a legacy of faith so that this place is here till Jesus comes back. Pray with me. Father, I want to praise you and thank you for what's happened previously here. But more important to me, even than what's happened previously, is what's going to happen next. And I know that in this room, Father, are are, are folks who've never trusted you, who've allowed fear and the influence of Satan to keep them from faith. So I pray today for their salvation. I I pray for life change. I pray for those, Father, also who are part of this church, who are part of your family, but not completely. We're back and forth, we're up, we're down. I pray that they might have the spirit of Caleb, whose faith never diminished whose ministry, whose servanthood never diminished. I pray that you'd give us the courage to claim mountains, to never change, to never drift, for our faith to be strong. And as we stand in a moment and sing, Father, that we'd make a choice to be all in. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Altars open. Chance to come to Christ. Chance to come back to Christ. Chance to pray for someone. For the courage to claim a mountain. For healing. For a new beginning. Chance to share in communion and simply acknowledge what's been done in your behalf by Jesus. Whatever God asks you to do, don't hesitate as we sing.